Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 408. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, Cuban woman and ambassador to friendship. Yeah! Friendship is dope, Lorraine. <laughs> it sure is, Ryan. All right, before we get into today's top news, just want to remind everybody, if uh, this is your first episode of This Week in Marvel, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, things that are happening this week in Marvel. Oh, I see. That's how they got the name, huh? Yeah. I, wow. I made it up eight years ago. Uh, we're going to talk about comics and movies and television and events. Events going to be a very big thing for us this week and so much more. So that leads us into D23 Expo. Hey, Ryan, what is the D23 Expo for anyone who doesn't know what the heck that is? Thanks, Lorraine. <laughs> D23 Expo is a giant... Uh, not annual, it's every other year celebration of all things Disney. It's basically Disney's convention supreme. So they bring in uh, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, the parks, the movies, the television, the animation. Every single part of the company comes together to celebrate and share and talk about cool things. And there's tons of fans there. Um, there's a bunch of big panels and stuff. So that is happening this weekend uh by the time you are all listening to this if you listen to it right away i'm there now uh one fun thing uh lorraine and i promoted this you know gosh that was months, months ago. ago uh the run disney virtual 5k that series has been going on all summer long and if you're doing the run disney virtual 5k for august and you'll be at d23 expo you can not only pick up your black panther medal there if you need to but you can also get an exclusive commemorative item at the event uh it's cool i got the i got my medals recently and they are delightful yeah they are delicious and lovely um also if you Speedwalk, you could probably just do it there at the convention, your 5K, because you can do them anywhere. They're virtual. 100%. And our interview and big talk this week are going to be about Runaways, the best series in the whole world, Lorraine's favorite. Fui, fui, fui. <laughs> um, writer Rainbow Rowell is on the show again, and she is the coolest of all time. Uh, also great hair. That's just a fun fact about Rainbow. She's got tons of beautiful curly hair. Um, before that, we have Nick Lowe joining us to talk about the history of the Runaways and just to help us dive into one of our favorite comics because it is so good. <laughs> it is so good. Uh, but before we get to that, it's time for things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news, colon. Yay, he did it. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's in now. <laughs> Persia hates it. Uh, one of our producers, Persia, she does not like it at all. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gamescom was, and depending on when you hear this, is still going on this week in Germany. And it features the first public, hands-on, playable demo of Marvel's Avengers. You know that cool game coming in 2020. Fui, fui, fui. Fui, 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 indeed. Uh, we announced this week Fantastic Four Negative Zone number one. It's a comic coming in November. Uh, I wanted to make a quick mention of it here because the creator list is super terrific. It's got a main story by Mike Carey. Mike hasn't done a lot of work for us lately, but he did a really great run on X-Men a bunch of years ago, and he's just fantastic. Stefano Caselli is drawing that story with Mike. Stefano is bonkers good uh, has a backup story about the fantastics by ryan north who has been writing unbeatable squirrel girl for so long and steve oi uh, i'm very excited for this book and i just want to make sure everybody knew about it november um uh, i love that i also ryan, love ryan north because he's easy to find in a crowd very tall red hair 19 feet tall <laughs> 19 feet tall without the stilts yep. all right there's going to be a dlc pack one for marvel ultimate alliance 3 the black order 
It is an expansion pass, and it launches on September 30th as the Marvel Knights join the Alliance. Ooh, ah, Marvel Knights, Curse of the Vampire, Blade, Moon Knight, Punisher, Morbius, uh, all those guys. <laughs> you can also take on an intense series of co-op missions in the new Gauntlet mode. Baby Mua 3. Yeah. I like the art we share, that Nintendo shared. I just pulled this right from their tweet. They shared the Marvel Knights art and had Morbius with that sweet deep V. Oh, baby. Fun fact, at our LA office, there is Morbius on the wall and somebody stuck a cheeseburger in front of his mouth. And it <laughs> makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> Uh, That got me. Uh, So we are finishing the hype a little light this week because of D23. We're going to recap that next week. I may or may not know some things. And so we'll definitely have things to talk about next week. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, We got to talk about real quick Twim URC. And there's a great note in here to explain what this is. Please. Uh, Twim URC is our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. It's where we pick uh, some books for everybody to read along with using Marvel Unlimited. We only choose books that you can read on the service. Uh, we read them. You read them. Uh, me and C.B. Sibolsky come together to talk about them, and we pull your questions and comments and thoughts and memories. So our 2000s episode is coming real soon. We're going to be talking about House of M, Civil War, and World War Hulk. Read those before you listen to get the full effect. And if you want to learn more about Marvel Unlimited, go to marvel.com slash unlimited, and you can find out all about that service there, because that's where all the details are, baby. Yeah. All right. It is time for This Week in Marvel History. We're talking about the week of August 23rd through August 29th across all 80 plus years of Marvel history, because we're going even further back. That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, I'm... I am like one margarita away from having one of those machines that like barfs and makes fart sounds. I wish we had that. I wanted one of those so badly. Like Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Lorraine's day off. All right. Here we go. Okay. This one's serious. So I'm going to take it seriously. All right. August 28th, 1917. That's a little bit before the inception of the Marvel Universe. But humanity was gifted with one of the greatest artistic minds in the world. Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby, he was born on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and would become one of the most legendary creators to ever create. Yeah. Think about 1941, uh, Captain America. Yep. 24 years old. Yep. Get out. Get out. Just go home, all of us. 24-year-old kid, uh, along with Joe Simon, they create Captain America. Bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. What what? are we doing? (sighs) That's the end of the show, everybody. Everyone enjoy your existential crisis. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jack Kirby. We're actually going to do more about Jack uh, next week celebrating his life with a little uh, something I did last year. I'm going to do another part of it. Well, we'll do it. It's the ABCs of Jack Kirby. Tied a is to for artist. Nope. He is an artist. We, we go B a little bit deeper. is for boy. He is a boy. Oh, boy. We're gonna, <laughs> we're, we'll talk about this and figure it out. Anyway, uh, we're going to move up to August 24th, 1950, because Stanley and Russ Heath give us Marvel Boy in Marvel Boy number one. He's a blonde hero who was brought to Uranus as a child. Nice. <laughs> fleeing Earth in the war with his dad. And this story brings the powerful young man back to Earth. Bob Grayson would later be brought back as one of the agents of Atlas. 
Also, this story I love is so weird. It's so weird. And they're like, we're going to break the planet in half. It's just so weird. It's nuts. I love it. Uh, August 27th, 1954, we get some John Romita Western action featuring Tex Dawson in Western Kid number one. Tex Dawson has an exclamation point on it, so, so I have to say metal. it is Tex Dawson. Uh, it also features the... <laughs> I love this. That's why I included this. It also features Whirlwind, the Savage Stallion, and Lightning, the Miracle Dog. I want this comic so badly. And Lightning and Savage Stallion. Man, comics are great. Oh, I've been ruined. All right. August 29th, 1955, Gunsmoke Western, number 32, featuring Kid Colt, uh, takes over the series from Western Tales of Black Rider, which took it over from the Black Rider, which took it over from the Western Winners, which took it over from all Western Winners, which took it over from all winners. All winners began in 1948, and the final issue of Gunsmoke Western arrives in 1963. But I think what's interesting about this is that's what comics did in these days. Like, they just would evolve and follow whatever story story was hitting so you know all winners to to all those guys yeah so many west everybody won yep the west was one that's right august 27 1974 colleen wing debuts in marvel premiere number 19 so good so good so good yeah by doug munch and larry hama larry's known as kind of the main brain behind gi joe comics and a lot of wolverine comics and more but he does some really neat moody art for this one which i didn't i had looked at the cards like Oh, he's on the art for this? Man, Larry was tremendous. And of course, Colleen Wing is the dopest daughter of the dragon, total epic badass. Uh, Ward Meacham also shows up for the first time in this issue. Okay, August 27th, 1991, Fantastic Four, number 357 by Tom DeFalco and Paul Ryan. A different one. Drops a huge revelations. Alicia Masters was a scroll. The scroll spy Elijah was revealed to have been impersonating Alicia for a really long time, specifically since Johnny Reed and She-Hulk returned from the original Secret Wars. So with no thing returning from the fight, Skrillisha wooed Johnny Storm in order to get close to the Fantastic Four and ended up marrying him. The real Alicia had been kept in suspended animation on a scroll ship. That never makes you feel good. <laughs> no. That's bad scene for everyone. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. And, like there's this heartbreaking moment when they finally free real Alicia. She has just like... It's basically like all those years she she nothing nothing like, it happened. was moments and she see she she hears Ben Grimm's voice she's like Ben you're here and she goes and hugs him immediately and this is years of Alicia having been with Johnny and Johnny's like what it, like this whole thing it's wild oh comics y'all and now uh, they're married no so it's nice great. sorry Johnny Storm you're a jerk anyway. It out. Uh, August 25th, 2004, Joss Whedon and John Cassidy bring back Colossus in Astonishing X-Men number four. It has one of my favorite six-page sequences in all of comics. It's Kitty Pride infiltrating an evil villain lair, uh, and she's being chased by bad guys. They shoot at her, uh, and then she phases, ping, bounces off metal. Then splash page of her turning around, and the love of her life, who died a few years ago, is standing there all steely and angry. He's, like, looking past her at the people who are shooting at her her st- like he then races past her uh she's like wait what has happened so like you could feel her turning around it's like slow motion he's full of rage and uh he beats the crap out of these guys and she tells him to calm down and he says katya oh god god am i am i finally please am i finally dead and like he's on his knees crying, hugging her, weeping. It crushes me. It's so well done. Oh That run is so great. If you love Colossus and Kitty Pride, yeah. 
Also, remember when she faces through the floor? Oh, yeah. She's Wink. had a great time. <laughs> uh, so August 27, 2008, Amazing Spider-Man number 569. Nice. Features Eddie Brock's first appearance as Anti-Venom. Anti-Venom is a result of bits of the original symbiote in Eddie's system charged, changed by Martin Lee's powers, and it uh, really messes up symbiotes. Yeah, it's almost as if it's anti-them. That's Marvel history for this week. Wee, wee, wee. Yeah, so let's talk about top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pull List, which is our sister show, which talks about all the new comics that come out every week. Our picks were Ghost Spider number one, Guardians of the Galaxy number eight, History of the Marvel Universe number two, and Magnificent Ms. Marvel number six. Yeah, if you guys want to hear more about those and lots of other comics, you should subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts and then watch video versions on Marvel.com with my nemesis, Tucker. Dun, dun. I like Tucker. He's okay. Yeah, he's all right. For as an as a nemesis ghost. There. All right, it is time for our big talk this week, which is the Runaways. Yeah, I'm here for it. Uh, but Lorraine and I cannot do this alone. We have enlisted the talents of one Nicholas Lowe. Hey, fwee fwee fwee. Yeah. <laughs> can I say that? Yeah, sure. Everyone <laughs> can fwee fwee fwee. Hey guys. Hi Nick. Hey Nick. It's so good to see you guys, and I'm so excited to talk about Runaways. Uh, this is a Runaways podcast, right? Yep. Yep. Just Runaways. Only Runaways. Yeah. Nope, that's a lie. That's this is it. This Week in Marvel! Wait, wait, wait. So, you know, we were talking about the Lorraine is an expert on all things Runaways. Uh, it's true. It is 100% true. And um, I know a fair amount, but I said we have to get someone who is deeply invested uh, in every single sense of the word in the Runaways, and that's you. Absolutely. Uh, been editing them for years and years and years. I was not the original editor. That was C.B. Sobolski and then Mackenzie Cadenhead. But I've been working on it for years, and I am editing the current volume, which I love so much. I think Rainbow Rowell is incredible. I think uh, Andres Genele, who's our, our artist right now. Wow. Unbelievable. Chris Anka, our uh, cover artist and the uh, launching artist of the book who did the first 18 issues of it, just about, with a little help. I, I love this volume so much it hurts. So before we keep talking about The Runaways uh, currently, uh, I want to go back because the first issue of Runaways came out April 16th, 2003. Is of course, by Brian K. Vaughn, Adrian Alfona, uh, David Newbold, Brian Reber, and Paul Tutrone. Uh, I, I like to just give you yeah. the whole creative team. Yeah. It's important because everybody puts a piece into a comic book. And everybody worked super hard on that. It was part of the Tsunami line. Yeah. What was the Tsunami line? You had that question, Lorraine. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, no. I took it. No, it's great. Um, but this Tsunami night line is something we don't hear about a lot. What was it? Yeah. So it was, like you said, 2003? Yeah. Back there. Oh, so mm-hmm. I, I I started at Marvel in 2002. And so I was, I like, you know, an upper deck view of this sort of thing. But at the time, Bill Jemis was our publisher. Joe Casada was editor-in-chief, uh, who is now our chief creative officer still. And they had this idea. They wanted to try new things. They were trying all kinds of new things. And at that time, manga was a huge force. And so they're like, what is there a way that we could try to get into that market? Like, you know, is there a way that we could, you know, not try to just ape it, not try to do manga, but like, is there a way we can look at what they do and what we do and find that Venn diagram spot of beauty in the middle? And so that kind of became the tsunami line. And to me, the crown jewel of that was Runaways that that uh, C.B. Sobolski, who's now our editor in chief, put uh, hired Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona and the rest of those lovely people that you mentioned. Dave Newbold, Brian Reber, Paul Tutron, hired them to make Runaways. And Brian K. Vaughn's unbelievable idea of 
every kid at some point thinks their parents are like the villains in their life who like all they say is no and they tell you they don't let you do what you want to do. In the Marvel Universe, you the, the Marvel Universe is a place where your parents could be supervillains. Mm-hmm. And so in issue one, you see these kids find out that their parents are supervillains and then what do they do next? And so the I believe the first run, the first volume was 18 issues. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we often, that, that we do at Marvel and some people criticize us for it is we relaunch books with new number ones. And it, a lot of people think like, oh, that's such a crass business move or like, you know, that's such a, all you're worried about is money. And more often it is because we want to help books that we love find an audience. It's easier to convince a new reader to jump on with a number one than it is to jump on with a number 19. Like, that's really difficult to do. And if you love a book, if you love a series, you're going to keep reading it. If you're reading from 18 and then, oh, a new new volume at number one, you're still getting the characters and the stories you love. It's now maybe you have someone new to talk to about the book. Completely. And some people complain they don't like that. But, you know, the, the part of that is like, so we did, we did that with Runaways back in the day. Mackenzie Cadenhead was the editor at the time. And so they they closed up shop on 18 and they launched a new number one, like a slightly new angle. You meet a new supporting, a new cast member, Victor. Uh, the best. He is the greatest. I mean, I don't know if he's the greatest. So is Gert. They're all the greatest. He's our best robot boyfriend in the book. Oh, my gosh. His hair is the best. That's true. <laughs> Just That's what I would write poems in the back of the comics about oh, yeah. is Victor, Victor Mach's hair. Oh, my God. Um, I, something I love about this cast of characters is they all have like a ton of duality about them and mm-hmm. uh, like a ton of what you just wouldn't expect from them. Like our jock is also our genius. Our, uh, you know, super goody goody church girl is also like a rainbow LGBTQ like. Uh, yeah. Alien Queen. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm. I would love to just hear you talk about the duality of the characters, and was that something intentional from the beginning, to your knowledge, or was that something that just came about? Brian K. Vaughn is an absolute genius. Truth. He builds maybe the best characters in all of comics. Every character that he co-creates with his wonderful collaborators, like in this case, Adrian Alfona. They are always three-dimensional. Like, no one is perfect. And it's, I mean, it's the model that Stan and Jack and Steve did. It's the model that all great storytellers really did. And then, But not everybody does it. Like, a lot of people fall into archetypes, fall into stereotypes, that sort of thing. But everyone is flawed. Everyone is wonderful. So I think that's partially just what he does. But, like, you know, you have Alex, who is like the brilliant strategist and you almost have to wait to find his duality mm. quite mm-hmm. a bit in the book because he just seems like the right straight down the middle he's the hero and i i mean we're assuming that everyone's read stuff we could talk about yeah stuff, i mean if, if y'all have read the 16 year old cover your ears uh runaways pause yeah go to marvel unlimited read all the issues oh they're so good and, and you're welcome back. and you're yeah. welcome but uh, he turns out to betray them all for understandable reasons bad reasons but understandable reasons and so, like, that's his duality. Like, you have you have Gert, who's maybe my favorite character. I'm my favorite also. She's so wonderful. Uh, she is probably the smartest of them all. But she, especially, like, you know, like, she kind of is the least powerful of them all in some ways. Like, she's got Old Lace, who is linked to her. She's got her dinosaur sidekick, dinosaur best friend, who is linked to her. So there, there's some power there. But, like, she's the less, least, like, super powered mm-hmm. of them in a lot of ways. Molly, you have this, you know, bright, plucky, 
uh, you know, super strong mutant. But like, you know, the catch is when she uses her powers, then she passes out. Like, you know, she's <laughs> she's the strongest of them all, but, and but the she's the youngest of them all. And the yeah. tiny, and like, although she's getting tall, she's That's yeah. true. Now she's, she's ta- big. <laughs> she's taller than Nico. All the powers, like he, like what they did with this, and I, I was not part of the. I remember reading a pitch of it, but I, it's, I wasn't part of it. Like when when CB and Brian uh, and Adrian were building this. But, you know, like they were so good at building in limits for these characters. And that's something we've been trying to do in the current volume, too, is to keep that spirit alive. But, you know, you had Nico, who is so powerful with her magic, but that she had like two key limits. One, she can only cast each spell once. You know, like she has to find a new way. And, and if she doesn't keep track of it and she tries, so weird stuff happens. <laughs> and two, to do that power, she would have to like draw her own blood. And that is something that we changed recently because it it, it it bears its own difficulties and real world problematicness to it with there uh, that we try to be conscious of because there are people in the real world who struggle with problems and we don't want to minimize those or, or be cavalier with them. Um, Although I will say one of the best moments as a woman reading comics to me personally is when they're like, why didn't you have to draw your blood? She's like, I have my period. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I loved seeing it in a comic because you just don't see that stuff no. dealt with, which is, again, why I think the series is so great. It deals with a lot of stuff. That's totally. very real. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that Runaways has done from the beginning, from the get-go so well of, like, trying to deal with that real-world stuff. Uh, we talked about uh, about Carolina, or Carolina, as they say on the TV show. Um, but, like, like, you know, you talked about her duality. Like, you know, she's the brightest shining light. Like, she's got all these powers, but she's racked with self-confidence issues, Uh you know, all kinds of stuff about like identity and who she is and all that kind of stuff. Well, there have been also a ton of great characters, as you mentioned, that have been brought in over time. Old Lace. Yep. You old know, Lace. such a favor for everybody. Yep. We got some good Old Lace stuff coming up. I, uh, You are. You, it is and, really good and somewhat troubling and really good. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, most things with Runaways, it's a little troubling. And, yep. and there's it, you, you never know how far you are away from a twist that's going to hurt you horribly yeah old lace is great so tell dinosaur a dionychus who is telepathically linked to gert and she's great she's like uh, a dinosaur who does dinosaur things yeah uh, i mean victor, victor clearly best head of hair and also robot boyfriend yep. I, like you know so ultron created victor and so like you know ultron is his evil robot dad you know his supervillain parent uh total nerd who has more power than he knows what to do with. He we saw consequences of that when he was in Avengers AI and then big time in the in the recent Vision series where he did some really questionable things and had some vibranium addiction issues and with stuff we've been dealing with a lot in the current volume of Runaways. You know, but nothing comes easy to these kids. We also now have a kind of a new member of the team, Gib who is the, oh, the yeah, give is great. <laughs> the Gaborum, who were the, the kind of like the big bads of the very first volume of Runaways, who were these like elder gods, who the the pride, who were the the Runaways' parents, were trying to do these sacrifices so that the Gaborum could reinherit the earth and all the souls on it. Why were the Gaborum doing that? As a gift to their children. So we finally met the children in this volume of Runaways that we're in right now. And so he, they banished two of the three of them to the future, but Gib has remained because he got to know the runaways and got to know humans and saw, 
you know, maybe we shouldn't just devour all their souls. Mm. Um, but now he's hungry because he hasn't eaten in a while and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And that there's all this coolness going on there. The most recent issue had him actually swallowing human food. Yep. And he has a line like, I am still empty inside. <laughs> and I was just like, rainbow rules. Yep. Uh, so same good. though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, got to give a shout out to Rufus the Cat. Oh, yeah. Love Rufus. Yep. Rufus the cat, a, a slightly telepathic cat who Molly's oh, yeah. evil grandmother had kind of engineered, who's stayed with him. There's also some good Rufus coming up. Yes. Rufus and Old Lace are kind of, uh, even though Old Lace has eaten some cats, uh, <laughs> uh, some of, of, of Rufus's brethren and sistren, they have kind of become begrudging friends. But, you know, this whole volume has dealt with really heavy stuff and really intense relationship stuff, romance, but also conflict of the of all kinds of of real life and superheroic and we're coming up on a big arc well that's one of the things i love about this book also is you see it in the first volumes and you see it now is everyone like real teenagers are all just smooching each other mm-hmm. and getting mad at each other and having to deal with it and i love the addition of julie power that was like such a fun a little romance to throw in. Yeah. And that was a, a, another something that had kind of been planted back in the day and through this stuff. Like one of the things that, that Rainbow is obsessive about is uh, the canon, like the Marvel Universe canon. She has been a Marvel reader since the uh, – I uh, since a long time. <laughs> I don't want to – I'm not sure. You know, not everyone likes to talk about their ages. But uh, – She's read X-Men from way back when and then other Marvel stuff. She's a giant uh, She-Hulk fan, big fan of, of of especially the Runaways. That's kind of what got her in the door at Marvel. But she has read every appearance of every Runaway character in any Marvel comic that they've been in. And she takes that stuff really, really seriously. And Julie Power, you know, she was in Loners, which was a kind of spinoff of Runaways. And then... Carolina and Julie had had some stuff in other Marvel comics. So she's like they were in a relationship. And so Rainbow wanted to honor that. And like, so that became a big part of this current volume. And like stuff like the things that happened in Avengers Arena um, oh, yeah. and Avengers Undercover, that stuff plays a big part in what's going on with Nico and A-Force. Same there. Um, yeah, I have to say, before this iteration launched, I... I'm obsessed with Runaways, and I begged around and got the script before there was art or anything, and I read it, and I was like, oh, great, Rainbow, because I I wasn't super familiar with Rainbow's uh, prose work, and I was like, oh, my God, she loves Runaways. Like, that was the first thing I realized when I read that script. I was like, okay, great. We're in good hands. That's why she's here. Like, she does not need to write Marvel comics. (laughs) She is an incredibly successful novelist. She... Uh, she wrote one of my favorite books of all time, which is called Eleanor and Park. It was recommended to me by my, my friend Mackenzie Cadenhead, who was one of the Runaways editors. Uh, and and she's like, you have to read this book. It's the greatest. And so I read it. I agreed with her. And that's and I, so I started tracking Rainbow down. The bigger part of my job is I'm the spider editor. I edit the Spider-Man books. I'm like, Rainbow, do you want to write like a, a Spider-Man short story? Like we, we ended up meeting when she was in New York for uh, Book Expo. And, and she's like, I, I could. She's like... But my favorite comic is The Runaways. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Let's do it. And so I, it took a couple, like over a year and a half, maybe even over two years of like forcibly, if you've watched anything like American Gladiator or Wipeout, you know, they have those big <laughs> kind of like Q-tip shaped like jousting things mm-hmm. that you like bet, like that people find. I had to like use one of those against Will Moss to keep like to to keep him away from the runaways for like that whole time, like fighting him back <laughs> uh, to, to save them for Rainbow 
to come in. And then when Chris joined the team, like it was ah, a match made in heaven. And so it's it's such a pleasure to collaborate with her and to just bask in the amazingness of Rainbow Rowell. The the biggest uh, problem I've had with this run is that it doesn't come out often enough. <laughs> I like, agree with that. You, and it comes out monthly. It's monthly. <laughs> but I'm so used to we have a lot of comics that double ship or, you know, we get a lot of issues and, I you know, you get – sort of used to that cadence and now it's like once a month and I'm like oh, I need more it's true I, I mean it, it is so good uh, and a lot of that is we we are trying to in the same Rainbow's scripts are so good but they're not easy to draw when Chris Anka decided to leave the book staying, staying on covers he wasn't like you know leaving in a huff or anything like that but when he decided to leave to pursue some other of his goals in life which we fully support it was really hard to find someone to step in because we, we weren't looking for anyone who drew like Chris. We But like Rainbow stuff is really hard to draw. It's super subtle. There's so much character, complex character acting to the point of like when, when Chris was there and now with Andres, we'll go over these layouts and I will t- take pictures trying to like act out. Like I have so many like Gert, Victor, like all these pictures of me trying to like, like late at night at the office, like trying to like act like... So th- this person needs to be longing and a little happy, but kind of sad. And like, try to, <laughs> like, it's just like really complex emotions. And to draw teenagers accurately or at least honestly and truthfully, like it's really hard. So when we got when we found Andres Genelay, uh, my assistant editor, Kathleen Wisniewski, edited a Spider Girls miniseries that was part of Spider Geddon that Andres drew. And he it was so good, but we weren't quite sure because it was an like, action-packed, a lot of fun. Like we think this is the guy. We think this is the artist. Like you know, um, but Andres nailed it, and he gets these characters, and he gets the acting and the design, and he pours his heart and his soul into it, and he's so good. And so you know, he's our our, our artist on the book right now, and we, and we're lucky. Chris Anka is coming back for an issue, Ooh. issue twenty seven. He's coming Check in as a, as a returning guest artist. Super stoked about it. It's kind of like. Maybe we'll turn this into something like uh, Barry Windsor Smith back in the Uncanny X-Men days to come back <laughs> like once a year, once every two years to do just blow the doors off the place as well. Uh, but uh, but he's coming back to, you know, let Andres get back ahead so Andres doesn't have to scramble quite so hard as he goes through this current arc that we're working on called Cannon Fodder. But it's C-A-N-O-N Fodder. Mm. Uh, we talked about her, Rainbow as being such a huge devotee of continuity and of the canon and of the the official stories and that sort of thing and so it's it's a play on that as we get into the grist of that story well it's also it's funny because both adrian and chris have set up such a high bar not only because of the emotion but the fashion oh my gosh in in both of their runs i think is so cool because we're used to seeing superheroes in their one outfit and they always are in their one outfit and you know, Adrian, I think, stuck with one costume a little bit more. But like Chris, every week, the fashion is or every month is killing yeah. the amount of work that has gone into. And, and this is not my work. I'm I am not a fashionista. I try <laughs> to be a snappy dresser, but I don't really know anything. I, I watch Queer Eye. I love that. But Rainbow and Chris in development for that entire first 18 issues. And now with Andres, they would keep. Pinterest boards that they would update methodically for like what like these kind of characters styles are. 
And like when we go over, so when Chris would, when Chris and Andres, they both, they'll turn in layouts and then Rainbow and I'll go over them and I'll give notes about, and she will too. We'll both give notes about like, you know, the storytelling or like, does this panel work? Does this facial expression work? That Like her most important things are like, are the characters acting like themselves? Are they, are, are we nailing the emotional things, but also the storytelling? And she's very into that, but also she'll give notes like, uh, Gert's outfit doesn't really work. Like she's more of like the the like slight military bent with like or like certain patterns and like the argyles and like I know mm. what these words mean, <laughs> but I that's not my specialty. And the amount of care that goes into that on this book, uh, again, I've been working at Marvel Comics for over seventeen years, and no creative team has ever put as much care into the casual wear of their characters <laughs> than the Runaways team. They're the only the people who come the most close were maybe Stuart Immonen and Catherine Immonen on the, so the, some of the Hellcat stuff that they did. Oh yeah, and Stuart in general, Stuart cared a lot about that. Chris Pacello a bit, but not to the same level. He's just good at it. Uh, it reminds me of Burns' Uncanny X Men, and like the, in mm-hmm. some ways, and like how. You know, Wolverine would like he had a very specific way he would dress For and the sure. way he would look, his hats, his jack, like his clothing, or yep. like all those characters, especially Aurora and John Byrne on She Hulk too yeah. would try yeah. to do that, or like or Fantastic like, Four, like. Yep. Like John cared about that a for lot sure. of that stuff. So we can't go back to people like, but I I, I don't know on what level. Like that's like sure. fashion magazine. But I mean, like John Romita Senior and Spider Man. Like Ditko did some of this, but like Mary Jane and Gwen. Oh best like their outfits were always so incredible and like and i just love picturing this old school john ramita whether it like you know it probably had to do with the fact that he did a bunch of romance comics before then Mm -hmm. and was like did some advertising art for like madison avenue and stuff like that like you know like some of that but like the amount of uh, like what a renaissance man and like the 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 skill that goes into that uh, just amazing. I mean Sarah Pakelli, I'll put up there and, the, and like you know she works hard on to make sure like you know her characters are so stylish. Like the work she did with Miles Morales and Genki. Oh, yeah. uh, oh Javier Garon. Javier Garon. Oh my god, he sweats that stuff a lot on yeah. Miles. And but a lot of that is all, like one of the things that a lot of people out there don't know is some of the interplay for these artists. Like Javier hadn't done he cared about it but he'd never done like style sheets like he does now for miles until he saw that chris anka was doing that on runaways he's like oh that's a great idea i should do that now too and like you know i think chris did it in general a fair amount of time on some of the x-men stuff he did with me he just cares about that stuff but i'm sure he saw the adrian stuff and like you know <laughs> uh, it's just amazing the inner artistic community interplay and that sort of thing yeah but, um all right we talked a lot about Runaways. I'm very glad we got to talk about this. Can we talk um, about the current arc a little bit? A little bit, because we do have an interview coming up with in Rainbow. this episode with Rainbow. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But yes, give us the, the hype on the current arc. Oh my gosh. So in the current arc, what's going on, uh, leading up to the arc we're, we're coming up to, starting with 25, we're digging further into Carolina than she, I think, has ever been dug into before. Like Of all the characters, she's probably the one that has gotten the least center stage time. Partially, it's because she went off into space for a while. But, uh, like, you know, during that initial run, we really wanted to dig into Carolina to give her that space and develop her a little bit more. But she's got these powers, and she is maybe the most altruistic of all of the runaways. And so she's decided to try and be a superhero. She's tried to do superhero things. And so we see it in some recent issues when she saves a window washer who's who's about to fall off his, his like, you know, his gurney. His, he didn't properly strap himself in, that, or he did, and it's still bad news. But they end up linking up 
with a new character called Doc Justice. And so the Runaways become Doc Justice's new J-team. Now, Doc Justice, I don't know how we haven't noticed, but he has been a Los Angeles vigilante for years. But he needs a new J-team, Justice team. And will the Runaways become this new team? Will they leave behind Princess Powerful, uh, old, uh, Arsenic? Will they leave behind their, their old names and become the J-team? And we're, you know, one of the things that Runaways does best is they take classic superhero tropes and we subvert them and we look for ways to do them in a new way. And this new arc, Cannon Fodder, does that in a big way. Yeah. I want to give two quick shout outs to the just the whole team on very cool storytelling things that when you started talking about Carolina made me think of it. There's the two-page spread when she's at the therapist. Oh, and then the background stays the same yep. and only Carolina changes. And she's but yep. her emotion and like everything that she goes through. And in the most recent issue, uh you have Carolina and uh Nico, they're going out and, and like on the town. And then are you thinking of when I they're sitting together? I was just together? literally gonna say the same exact thing. Yep. I was just waiting patiently. They're, um, they're sitting amazing. together yeah. at a at a diner trying to figure out what to do and they're talking. And then there's one panel where uh, uh, I think Nico like rubs her leg on on Carolina's leg, and it's just a subtle and thing. And it's like a pink cheek. Oh my moment. god! I, and it says yep. everything. It's it's perfect. Rainbow and Andreas nailed that so well. Yeah. And Rainbow loves. She's such a huge comic fan and comic artist. Like she is a an, a creator in the truest sense of the word. She loves doing that stuff. Like the trappings of comics and playing with the medium. Rainbow takes this stuff so seriously and so does Chris and uh, so did Chris and does Chris and so does Andres and they embrace this stuff so much to try and do cartooning in the best way humanly possible. Nick, thank you for coming in and talking Runaways. We got to let you actually make some comics. I do have to. I do have to go bake some comics. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're allowed to technically be here anymore. But <laughs> yep. thank you guys so much for talking about it. Uh, everyone enjoy Rainbow's interview. Read Runaways if you're not reading it. It is one of the best comics we put out, bar none. I put it right up there with Immortal Hulk. Uh, like as far as like that's the thing that everyone talks about the most right now. I think it's just as good. It's very different. We don't really do a lot of body horror. We do some. We don't do a lot of body horror. There's kitty cat horror. There's some kitty cat horror. But anyway, yeah. pick it up. You got to read it. Yeah. You know, Lorraine, we, uh, we we were just talking about Runaways Comics. And thanks to our advertiser, Marvel MasterCard, you know, you can get all the cash back and points and all that good stuff uh, when you buy a Runaways Comics. But actually, a trip to New York to attend New York Comic Con, sideshow collectible statues, merch from the Marvel merch booth at New York Comic Con. What do these all have in common? They are an awesome prizes that you have a chance to win if you apply for our Marvel MasterCard in the next few weeks. Yeah, all you got to do is apply for a Marvel MasterCard from now until 9, 11, 19, that's September 11th, to be entered for a chance to win a trip to New York Comic Con to attend. Yeah, one winner will get a trip for two to New York and will get tickets to attend New York Comic Con along with passes to a Marvel panel and an autograph signing in the Marvel booth. Yeah, the first three prize winners will receive a specially selected Marvel collectible statue from Sideshow, which are awesome. And then five second prize winners will get swag bags with cool merch from the Marvel booth at New York Comic Con. No purchase or application necessary to enter the sweepstakes. You must be 18 years or older for rules and to apply, visit marvelmastercard.com. So, you know, we were just talking about Runaways a couple minutes ago. Our interview today is with Runaways writer Rainbow Rowell. 
And I spoke with Rainbow back in May. Rainbow shared her own take on the new costumes, tells us about seeing these characters suit up for the first time. Plus, she shares what it was like to hand over the story to a new artist after working with Chris on so many issues. Take a listen to that interview right now. Hi, Rainbow. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I get I get so loud. So it's like a, like a robot that gets turned on. It's like, oh, full speed. <laughs> Why is he shouting at me? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so you are here at Marvel offices once again. Thanks for coming back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, I love Runaways so much. And last time you Dude. were here, I don't. I think either you told me or I had just found out that Chris was leaving. Yeah. And I it was like the deepest hurt, which I'm I sure know. it was even deeper for you. It was horrible. Uh but Andre Genale. So incredible. He's it is incredibly the good. perfect handoff. Yeah, it really is. And I was really nervous. Like I, I'm kind of embarrassed by it. I don't want to say out loud you know, it was like it's Chris Anka and I worked together so well. And we still work together so well. And I love working with him. And I just really felt like we had a vibe for the characters. And he knew them so well. And I had, I was like, I don't know. I was, I was worried. <laughs> yeah, which is you yeah. every right to be. Yeah. And actually, it's been a wonderful handoff. And, um, and Andres, I think he... he really cared a lot about the transition. So he's talked to me about how... He wanted the book to feel kind of the same so that people wouldn't have that like that changing gears feeling that you get sometimes mm-hmm. when the artist change or the writer changes and you're like, oh, ah. <laughs> he really wanted it to feel smooth, which is he's so thoughtful. Yeah, he's so thoughtful. Um, and I can it's interesting because he's three or three issues in, I think, now. And his um, he, I can see he's getting more comfortable with the characters like the characters themselves have kind of relaxed on the page. Like he knows them so well. He doesn't, I, n- I don't think he's like having to like look at reference and like, wait, you know, who has what color hair? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to think like an artist, like I'm trying, <laughs> you know, well, I, you're, you're part, it has become part of the way you have to think, I would assume. Yeah. It's like seeing the characters through a whole new, you know, totally different from how I have to relate to them. But. Yeah. He's, I think, he's lovely, too. I just want to say oh how yay. lovely he is. How terrible would that be if he was just the perfect artist but a monster? I'm sure those exist, right? <laughs> We're going to keep moving on because I wanted to talk about uh, Matthew Wilson. Because oh, part of the yeah, handoff, yeah. Oh, yeah. part of the transition being so good is because Matthew's still on the book. Well, we've had different Oh, right. Colorists. That's right. That's right. So we've had a, we've had a few. Yes. And we have Joe. Joe's still doing letters, mm-hmm. so we've had that consistency. Um, we still have Chris doing covers. Chris and Matt. Or is it Chris alone on it's covers? It's just Chris. Chris alone, Chris yeah. Chris has always done his own color yeah, for covers. I, I've tried he, to gets, he should get props for that, actually, because his really colors should. are beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a few different really great colorists. It's interesting because each colorist changes the tone of the book a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, which I, is so cool, really. Yeah, like Triona is, Farrell. I don't know if you know yep. her colors, but... Mm-hmm. She is um, a very vivid yeah. colorist, and I feel like um, everything has like a little bit different. Like Matt has one light, and Triona has a different quality of light, mm. so it shifts the book a little bit. I feel like it's a little bit like. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like such a. It feels so seamless to me, going from issue to issue, okay. story to story. That I, I can, you know, I start to place things, and mm-hmm. I can see it, but. Just as a reader, as a fan, as someone who looks very much looks forward to the book every month, which is something I say on one of our shows, like I wish this book came out more often mm. than every month. But I, it feels very 
very natural. And, and, That's been and a nice transition. Yeah. So I went. I thought this was fascinating. Nick Lowe, our editor, said this to me when we were talking about new artists. Um, he was like, "Well, Runaways is one of the hardest books to draw," and I thought, "What? No, you know, because frankly, we don't have as much, you know, explosions in our book as we maybe you know we don't have like planets. I feel like we don't have like why? It's just people." And he was like, yeah, "But every character." is so different. Every character has a very distinct body type and a very distinct face and distinct hair. And those things are really the expressions of their personality a little bit. And if if Gert wasn't shaped like Gert or if Nico didn't look like Nico, um, it would really be jarring. So he was like, we really, we have to have an artist for Runaways who's so good because they're, every character has to really feel distinct from each other. And I had never thought of that. Mm-hmm. But do you know what he means? Yeah. Uh, well, 100%. And, yeah. you know, also is something that we discuss a lot on the pull list is acting mm. and the importance of acting, which becomes doubly important, triply important for a book where none of your characters wear masks. Or costumes. Or, or costumes. It's it's all very much in their eyes. Right. Uh, there's the... One of my favorite scenes in comics this year is the double page spread. What was it? 16 panels of Carolina at yeah, the yeah. therapist. Yeah. Like, I was a mess after that. It was so good. And Thank you. So just her going through everything. And so it's a mix of the, the her dialogue, yeah. her, the way she's, you know, talking through yeah. her issues, but also the way she's expressing herself and like, there's the one shot of her. She's down like this, and then she's defeated. The way she's moving, and it's just such eloquent. Yeah, her posture changes, Andres, oh, from panel God. to panel. He really is masterful how so she. Good. And you know, like I'm even in write. So obviously, I'm in therapy. And even <laughs> in writing that page, I thought so much about like how I sit and don't. I don't know if you guys are in therapy, but you find yourself like playing with your watch or hiding behind your hair or you, you know, you're so sunken. And then and he just really nailed it from panel to panel. It felt like so much movement, even though there was hardly any movement at all. Yeah. And he's great. He's I really so good. like him. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've never done therapy, but I've been holding on a lot of grief uh, of the oh, last year. And so I've been thinking about it a lot. And it was actually that panel and, and some other stuff in my life that I was like, I I think there's something I need. I will get out of this yeah, that I've never like gotten it before. I feel like it's good. I think it's good. A yeah. Good thing. Um, so it, beautiful stuff. Well, I brought up Matt specifically because he was nominated for another freaking Eisner. Uh, how could they not nominate him? Right? He's such a genius. He's so good. But mm-hmm. the book also nominated for <laughs> yeah. an Eisner for Best Continuing Series. Yes. I, wow. You, you're <laughs> glowing. It's so great. I mean, we were so surprised. We I don't know so why you're surprised. surprised. I wasn't surprised. I. It's so good. I, I Thank you. But we were surprised sure. and I, we really were delighted yeah. because, you know, we really care a lot. I mean, you've had jobs, right, where you don't care that much, but you're trying. You do a job anyway because you care about doing a good job. But maybe you don't care so much about making, you know, producing whatever that thing is. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm making sausages and I don't actually eat these sausages. You like you sometimes you yeah, just yeah. like you show up to work, you try to do a good job, but you're not that connected to it. Um, but that's not the case for this book. Like it, it, every person who works on this book cares passionately about these characters. So we've had this like really wonderful experience where, you know, when Chris and I were 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 working on them, we. We talk so much about the characters, and we cared so much. And so to to feel like people noticed that, oh, my God, I can't even explain how wonderful it felt to feel like, oh, wow, no, people see. They actually see that we're doing something good. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's well-deserved. And it, I think it's really incredible because, you know, we look at comics and 
comics sometimes they go five issues, seven issues, ten issues, twelve issues, and you know, moving into we're in year three now, we're rolling, and yeah. that was part of why I wanted you to come in and talk it like set us up. Where are we going in the next couple months? Uh, it's it's an incredible thing to be recognized, you know, twenty issues into your run yeah. and moving rolling and excitedly forward. Yeah, especially when you're kind of like at the beginning, you don't know how many issues you're going to get and and you're setting up the stories and you're thinking, okay, we hope we get enough issues to get to this point in the story. And I really didn't want to rush out of fear because you, like, you know, have a show that you love and you can tell they got canceled and so they yeah. took care of everything in three episodes. I didn't want to rush out of fear that we would get canceled at six or 12. So it was like, let's just Let's tell the story at the pace we feel like we need to and let it unfold, knowing we may never get to some of the big moments. And, like, I really wanted to get to Victor choosing to have a body again. Um, <sighs> that yeah. bathtub scene? Yeah. Oh, man. So I wanted to get to the moment where he has walked through some pretty harsh stuff. And really, we could have ignored what happened in the Vision series. Like, nobody was telling us we had to deal with it. But I don't want to ignore it. I wanted to you know, that's a really formative thing for Victor. So we wanted to give him time to be traumatized and be scared and reject have being victorious and reject his robot body and reckon with what it means. You know, he's always, is he human or not? That's the question for Victor, you know? And so for him to choose to have his body, like we didn't know we were going to get there. So Victor has a body now and we didn't know he would ever have a body. Yeah. And isn't it cruel that now he has a body and Chris Anka is not here to draw, you know, like... Give him those abs. Abs, right? right? Chris never got to draw his abs. Well, we'll have to put him on the cover. Put him on a cover. <laughs> <laughs> Just sunbathing or something. So Victor has his body back. And oh, Chase finally knows that Victor and Gert are a thing. And oh. I, the whole time I'm like, oh, oh poor baby Chase. No, oh, Chase. no, 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 no. Because you want the happiness that's over here. And you want the happiness that's over here. And you know that they can't coexist long term. And I am like such a Gert Chase person. And yet, anyway, so Chase knows. That's interesting. You're such a Gert Chase person, but yet you're I have, following. I am. The, I am actually the person who did all this stuff. And you're. But you're. Fo- is it like you're following the I'm path following that these the characters path are going? The story, right? Like, I love that. I mean, also we decided to bring Gert back in such a way that set them apart age wise, and then that's drama. That's great drama for us. That's a good story. So I also like Gert and Victor. Anyway, I'm torn, but. Yeah. Victor has his body back, which means he's kind of on the path. People, you know, we're always worried, is Victor going to become victorious? Is he going to be the villain that Ultron designed him to be? Big elephant in the room, does this mean that Chase is going to talk to Victor now? Because he also Chase really tried to rebuild Victor. He fixed Victor. So anyway, uh, lots of drama for them. We really got time to tell a story with Molly, too. Molly, who's always like Little Miss Sunshine and so happy, but had a lot of loss and grief. And we got to like let her be sad for a while, which is a scary thing in comics to actually let someone be sad for three or four issues when they're beloved for never being sad. And so we got to I was really important to me to have that conversation where Molly talks to Chase about like, I I don't want to be cute all the time. I don't want to be happy all the time. Um, So so. Molly, coming out of her funk. Carolina this month did something kind of super heroic and perhaps got a taste for it. Maybe she's got a taste for super heroics. So I think what we're going to look at is, um, because, you know, someone said to me nastily recently, well, these kids aren't even superheroes. Like, okay, that's true. (laughs) But we we don't have to see every moment of their lives. And we... we, They're kids with... Right. They move on. They they have... So, but, but what if? What if they? What okay? What if the Runaways tried to be heroes? 
Um, that's kind of what we're going to play with. Like, cool. it does not seem like a natural <laughs> fit for them. They've tried it before. The results were not good. Yep. Um, so we've got a little bit. We got Carolina experimenting with like um, some rescue, some like classic superhero moments. Um, so we're playing with that. Um, she has a costume on one of the covers. I saw, she right? does. Chris Anka got to design uh, mm. costumes for Carolina and Nico. I think those are the first time they've been in like costume costume. Yeah, because Nico is just Nico always. And yeah, uh, I think she might have had to wear something when she was on Murder Plant. Yeah. <laughs> Arcades, murder, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The murder, I- murder Island, well, yeah. or whatever it was. Murderopolis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she might have been like in some sort of Murderopolis suit, but I think these are their first costumes. So that was fun for Chris. Mm-hmm. He got to do that, and um, yeah, and then uh, Gib. Gib is our new runaway, and Gib is starving for um, you know because the planet was going to be sacrificed for his you know, to fulfill him. And then he decided no. So now he's just hungry and nothing fills him up inside. So we're having fun with Gib. Those moments where he put something in the bag, it just falls right out. (laughs) And hasn't Andres done a wonderful job in those, those like silent moments. Yeah. And then keeping uh, old lace, like hanging around and like his eyes light. Always getting the food. (laughs) So, so yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm kind of excited for this next arc because, you know, also, They've gotten together and they're out of the honeymoon phase of being a family again, like this first, oh, we're just so glad to be together, right? And now they can start to fight a little <laughs> bit more. They can they can have some growing pains. Yeah. Uh, do you hear a lot from Runaway's TV fans who are also checking out the comic or how does that work? You know, who I hear from, um, people who have fallen for Carolina and Nico on TV love Carolina and Nico in all, all places and all forms. And if... And and the other thing is, if you've only met them on television, there's actually a very, like, it's a a rich history to dive into. And it's not the sort of thing where you're going to read the comics and be, like, disappointed. You're going to read the comics and be like, oh, my gosh, these two characters have been been through even more than I know. And they've fallen. Almost, I think, for those fans, it's like they were destined to be because they fell in love in slightly different ways. But in every dimension, they're in love. (laughs) Um, And also there's, you know, they're in a... We're not jerking them around. They're not. It's not like they're breaking up every issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're together. That's they're great. having something real. So uh, for those it. fans, that's what I hear from the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will Chase go back to the store? At, to Van? Yeah. She was great. Isn't I, she great? She, <laughs> was she the 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 gal on the the covers that we saw? She was first in the issue. I think it was fifteen when Nico and the one. It was an all Nico issue. Uh-huh. And there was this really adorable girl in like jean cutoffs and roller skates. Yep. And she went roller skating by. And I was like, oh, Chris, I love that girl. I got a crush on that girl. She's so cute. And he was like, oh, we're going to put her on the cover. <laughs> so then he put her on a cover. And then I was like, oh, now she's a character, right? So now she's a character. And it was so much fun writing her, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, oh, please go back to that. Like, I, you know, she's a great kid, I right? Want more. Van. They had that like snappy banter. Yeah. They looked so cute together. Yeah, it was great. What about Doombot? Where, where what's Doombot's oh, status? Doombot, you know, <laughs> Doombot. Um, well, Doombot got beat up in the big fight with the um, in the big fight with the Gvorim, They took out um, Doombot, and then the Runaways hauled him back to the hostel, and he has just been um, powered down. So, perhaps part of Victor's motivation for getting his body back was he had been thinking a lot about what happened to Doombot and feeling guilty about it. Doombot is not out for the count. Good. No, Such a, a fun character. He's, I think of him as like the runaway's wacky neighbor. <laughs> like he's not technically on the team, but you see a lot of him. <laughs> I Super into it. I want 
That is that is canon now. I like. That. I know. I'm, I'm like. I feel like it's time for an outfit change. Yeah. Like he needs a new suit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other villainy bits that uh, you can tease? We have a new villain, but I can't tease. Even okay. I can just tease that we have a new villain, and we have a bunch of new people coming. So Ooh. yeah, new hero, new villain, new kids. How much fun is that to just create Marvel Universe new like whole cloth? It's stuff? so weird to think about because one of the reasons I said yes to this job is it's a little bit like um, getting to be in the the mythology of the moment. So I really feel like Marvel characters are the mythology of our age. Like it's something that we all communally take part in and share in, and these stories have have a life beyond, right? So. Being able to alter that fabric a little bit. its I've now having steered these characters knowing that like I've made changes to their characters that will probably always be there is really wild. And to think like Gib is like a character people could pick up six months from now or a year from now. Or, like, you know, whatever the, the version of Squirrel Girl is in the future, if Gib's been sitting on shelf for a while, they'll be like, oh, there's that crazy guy who was in Runaways. Let's <laughs> use him. Or maybe he shows up on some great team someday. You know, yeah. you never know. Yeah. He's on a great team now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, super cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks it's always fun me. to talk to you about Runaways because because you know so much about them and it's like just so much fun for me. It makes me so happy. I, like <laughs> honestly, it's like I lose my mind every time we have an, an issue. It's always a book I just. Oh, I'm so happy so to hear that. I love talking to people who have been like on that train with them from the beginning because I have me too, and so it's just like getting to talk. And I, not everyone in life knows or cares about the Runaways. So when I get to meet someone who's there with me, it's just so fun for me. Yeah. Um, well, our Thank goal you. is to get more people to, to read yeah. it and love it. Room on the train, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rainbow. Thank you. Here is our question of the week. We love talking to you, our community, colon. So uh, this week's question is, who is your favorite Runaways character? Use that hashtag, This Week in Marvel, or you can email them to us at twimcodcast at marvel.com or message them to us on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, ooh, this is a really tough one. I want to, mm, it changes a lot. I'm going to go with Molly. She's just so fun. There's I... more complex I think uh, emotions and relationships and characters. Molly just brings me smiles. And then when she's sad, I'm so sad. I would say Gert. Gert all day, every day. Um, Just she broke the mold for me. No. Love that Gert. All right. Let's get into our community colon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one comes in from Brian Stranko. Uh, he says, I just caught This Week in Marvel, episode number 407. I'm nearly as big into Norn Rad as you talking to me, are into Namor. Thank you so much for the reverent deep dive into surfer lore. You guys ask for recommendations on other characters. I suggest Doctor Strange, Magic Bullets, Battle Axes, and Sorcery. Uh, so we will do Doctor Strange. I, that's going to take a lot of research because I don't know Doctor Strange near like half of that Silver Surfer stuff was me putting it down from memory and then going back and doing the research. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Doctor Strange stuff, like I still need a lot of research to do. Yeah. Well, and it's weird history. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot. I've done a lot in the early days of research and I've done obviously a lot of the modern stuff, but there are like weird, interesting holes because also like he messes with time and space and reality. Yeah. So it's hard to track. Real weird. Yes. All right. We have Amanda, a.k.a. at Ah Francis um, and talking about the twin of the week for uh, the ending of Unstoppable Wasp. This book was full of life and charm. I was so happy to see Bobby back and Janet was really redeemed in my eyes. I have only read 
really old Janet stuff. Will we see how the Ultron storyline concludes? What series will Nadia's story continue in? Question mark. Yeah, great questions. Uh, Ultron stuff. Read Tony Stark Iron Man. That's a big storyline coming up in those uh, in that story right now, and I imagine Janet will factor into that. Nadia. I'm sure she's going to have more stuff to come. We just announced the the prose novel, uh, the YA book yeah. coming for her. So uh, stay tuned. Plenty more. And then last one of the week is from Jeremy Sanchez. Uh, he says to Donny Cates, Tradmore, and Dave Stewart, thank you for making my head explode with how good this comic is. My eyes have been blessed. And he's talking about Silver Surfer Black. Yeah. Agreed to the max. Your eyes have been blessed. Yeah. Bless them eyes, everybody. Uh, all right. I got to get ready to go to D23 Expo. You've got to go to a shoot. That's it. We love you guys. You're the best. Send us some comments. We'll talk about them next week. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.